0: welcome to let's talk about it with Janelle King
1: all right welcome thank you so much for tuning in to let's talk about it with Janelle King I am Janelle King and this particular episode is going to be dedicated to me <laughs> and that sounds extremely narcissistic but no what I went mean, I know there are a number of people who are have not heard of me, don't know who I am, may have listened to some of my episodes and enjoyed it or hated it, whichever one, but you still need to know a little bit about me. So this is the episode where I kind of go a little bit deeper into who I am, where I came from, and uh, why I'm doing this. Um, You know, so politics is a huge part of my life, but politics sort of found me, you know, I, I was, I'm, I didn't grow up as a political junkie or anything like that. It really fe- kind of found me. So, you know, I was raised in a political, I mean, a political family, but we had conservative values. So we never talked about politics in general, but we did have, um, a, a lot of discussions around topics that are so, that kind of marry into politics, but it's more so connected to tradition, traditional values and principles. Um, I was raised in an v- extremely traditional family. You know, two parent home, two parent home. My dad was seen as the, the patriarch, the head of the home. Um, my mom was a homemaker and an educator. So it, we, I mean, it was a very, very traditional experience. And then I went to college. I went to an HBCU, a historically black college. North Carolina A&T, Aggie Pride to all the Aggies that are listening Um, and I remember my, towards the end of my senior year um, it was also the rise of President Obama, so you know, he was running for president and um, at being at an HBCU, this was the really the first time out of all the years I was there that I saw so much political movement on campus. Um, obviously, you know, there were elections and things happening prior to President Obama, but... This was different. You know, he had a real grassroots approach. So I would see his O and that logo on a lot of different things. And there were people who were really active and, you know, he was activating the college base and, um, there's a feeling that I had um, to, that I, I, there's a feeling that kind of came in from these activists that made me feel like I had to support him, like I had no choice. And I didn't understand that. It just didn't feel quite right. So after all of, you know, um, all of the, uh, uh, you know, the Obama experience and all that good stuff, I decided that I want to do some research. So I started to research, you know, where I, you know, wh- why, why am I political? Like, wh- where do I stand? Where do I sit? Am I Republican? Am I Democrat? Like, what am I? So I'm, I'm probably the only stu- student that went to college and then as a, a political person and then came out of college as a Republican. I don't think that's happening this day, these days, but that is me. You know, that's what happened. I ended up doing research and when I started researching, I, I really, I just looked at what each party stood for not who was represented not who was running anything i just looked clear precisely at which party um uh, what are your platform items what is your foundational principles and as i went through the list i noticed that i just naturally fell into the conservative side had a lot to do with my upbringing So today, I'm a national and international political commentator. Um, I'm a panelist on Fox 5 Atlanta, the Georgia gang. Uh, My husband ran for U.S. Senate, so I'm the wife of a U.S. Senate candidate here in Georgia. Um, And I'm a bonus mom. And so I am... All these things today, but it all started because of that experience in college. So that's kind of interesting, right? Because we're kind of having topic uh, discussions around what's happening in college today. But for me, it led me to um, conservatism and to be a Republican. So that being said, I was also raised in a spiritual home. And this goes into why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. So. Follow me on this journey. So I was raised, as, like I said, in an apolitical home, but I was also raised in a very spiritual home. And my parents were, um, you know, we went to church a lot. We prayed a lot. It was just extremely, extremely Jesus and God focused. And, you know, I realized as I got older that I didn't want to just love God because I was told that you either do this or you, you, you know, you're you going to go to hell. Like, I mean, I didn't want that to be the focus. So I started to question everything. And I'm so grateful that my parents allowed me to question things. Um, they never shied away from it. We had a lot of family meetings and they, they pretty much opened up my mind to challenging thought. And so questions led me to discovering what worked and what didn't work and then locating who I am and that I am a believer and I am a believer in God and in Jesus and that all came from me questioning so there wasn't a fear in oh my goodness if she's asked too many of these questions that it's going to lead her in the wrong direction it was keep asking so that's what I did But you know, but but I realized that I was a believer, and not it wasn't because I saw everything that I wanted to see while I was doing my research, or while I was questioning, or while I was you know inquiring about things. It was because I considered everything that I heard, and I felt like if I had the good, the bad, and the ugly, then I can make a decision based on um, a a complete um, a, a complete thought. Now I can make a decision with all of the information. And, you know, and I, I, I made it, I, I didn't, and I still don't, look for biased information. I do think that there are people who, who purposely search for biased information. So where do I see people today? So in general, when I look at where we are as a, as a country, I believe that there's no one on this earth, or there's no one in America particularly, that doesn't want to be healthy, that doesn't want to have healthy families, who doesn't want to make money, who doesn't want to either retire or start a business, who doesn't want to live a good life, who doesn't want good schools for their kids, who wants to take—I mean, these are people who want to take vacations, enjoy life, take care of their aging parents, family members, and the list goes on and on and on. These, there's so much that we all have in common. So much and having proper information should help you guide your decisions rather than picking out and picking choosing what information we want to share with people to force them down a certain pattern. I don't believe that anyone has all the right answers. Not I believe that I, I'm giving you opinions, my opinions. And I want you to take that and maybe it'll jog a thought or jog a memory or just something that'll cause you to think a little bit deeper. So the purpose of this podcast, let's talk about it with Janelle King. The name actually came from my husband because that's something that whenever we have any form of a disagreement, I'll say to him, you know, well let's talk about it. And so it's so funny that we were actually having lunch or brunch and my my husband, I was I was telling him, I was like, Kelvin, I don't know what to call this podcast. Like what do I call it? And he said, why don't you just say let's talk about it? Because that's what you tell me. <laughs> so kudos and cheers to my husband for coming up with the title. Um, but it's the truth, right? So if you're if we have any form of a disagreement or a challenging thought on something, we just talk about it. We talk it out to see where do we, where do we stand, and we give each other the good, the bad, and the ugly of a particular topic, and then we finalize our decision based on having all of the information. So I'm just here to ask the questions. I absolutely have a bias towards conservatism and being a Republican and being in, 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 in traditional values because that is the core of who I am and what I believe. And I do believe that you are to incorporate your morals in anything that you're doing. And that's just how we are. And that's who we are as human beings. But I want to make sure that I give you the good, the bad, and the ugly of every topic, right? So I I, want to give you the explanation of why this may seem good or why it may be good but I also want to make sure that we are talking about the the items and the the aspects of this same topic that may not be so good so that I can encourage independent thought to take place once again. I think we're losing that in this country. I wanted you to have the courage to think outside of your box. Not the box, but I want you to think outside Outside of your box, the box that you've kind of set for yourself. I want to encourage the use of critical thinking skills and to help individuals locate their stance and where they are rather than gravitating towards a side that seems more like who you are, but instead being able to say without a shadow of a doubt and being able to explain to others why you believe the way you believe. I want you to know why you believe this. I want you to ask yourself while you're listening to um, this podcast, because I'm going to talk about topics that are really hard hitting. And I want you to ask yourself, you know, have I ever thought of something that way or am I just now hearing this? And it's important to me that the guests that I bring on are not just guests who are um, experts, right? I don't want talking heads. I don't want experts. And I can say that because I'm considered one of them. But I, I want people who are passionate, Not famous, and you know, for you know, doing uh, doing the bidding for someone else. But I really want people and guests who are passionate. So you're going to hear from people who you have never met before, who you've never heard of. These are people who I've had conversations with while being, you know, out at lunch or attending events or being having the privilege to sit in on certain think tank conversations and things like that. I'm bringing those people. To the mic, so that we can talk and have a real passionate discussion, because a constitutional republic works when you have a collective of people who are all looking at a problem from multiple perspectives to determine the solution. It doesn't work when you have people who are afraid to ask questions, or they are, you know, or there's this this um, cloud of, you know, I'm going to be canceled, or I'm going to be shouted down if if i say anything that doesn't align with you know exactly what we are you know talking about or whatever that person is wanting me to say so i don't want that i want people to feel comfortable to come and have their perspectives and have it heard you know i'm doing this because i truly do i truly 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 believe in human nature And I believe that we are designed in a unique way. And I want to create an environment where that design and who we are, it can thrive. You know, it's one of my you know, it's one, one constant in human. When I talk about human nature, to me, that is one constant that has gotten better and better over time. As human beings, we have continued to grow and it has happened because of us being able to um, have these discussions and disagree. I believe that we are the secret sauce in everything that is great. That is humans, us human beings. We are the secret sauce. And I want to make sure that we cultivate the root of the issues and the root of these topics and the root of who we are and not, Not the fruit, not the things that don't really matter. I want to focus in on those things. So I thank you so much for listening. I thank you so much for just giving me a chance, hearing my perspective. And I I thank you for disagreeing if that's what you want, what you choose to do. Because I truly, truly, truly do believe that democracy, and disagreement is democracy. So please make sure that you continue to follow the show. Tune in every single week as I dive into these hot button topics and encourage conversation. Because as I stated before, disagreement is democracy. Thank you so much once again. Let's talk about it.
0: What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? aren't you exhausted by going to lenders building a relationship and a week later you got a new person to deal with you have to start all over again you don't have that with first liberty building and loan the frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s and they want to know you You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan, FirstLibertyGA.com. That's First FirstLibertyGA.com. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King.
1: Well, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am actually pretty fired up about this topic because I, um, just came from shooting, um, an episode of a TV show I'm a part of here in Georgia. And we were talking about black men and, uh, I found it very interesting that, um, well, just to give you some context, we were talking about black men being um, a part of in, in politics, and that we had at the time, Stacey Abrams was calling on black men to support her governor race because she was saying that she's not going to win unless she has black men. So, um, so I've been I've been I've been really you know connected to what's happening in the black community, and so this this particular topic is is something that's really um, pressing on me. It's something that I. Really Really want to talk about with all of you, and I really love your feedback. So make sure you comment and send me messages and all that good stuff. Um, But let's just start here. So. Eric Erickson is a um, reporter here, or journalist, I guess you can say, but he has his own show and he talked about um, the new religion that's here and and what he was talking about was climate change and that the Democratic Party has made climate change the new religion and he kind of broke all of that down and I thought it was really interesting and it just kind of jogged my memory on a conversation that I had um, with my husband and we went to dinner with another couple and while we were talking it came up that or the statement that was made was that black people have made the civil rights or made civil rights in general their new religion. And I was like, let's just talk about that a little bit, because I it, it, it made me think back to my childhood. And I really went down memory lane to to ask myself, is this happening? Is this something that is really occurring right now? And I have to say that I think it is. But let me let me take you on a journey with me. So. The first question is, is this true? And so I went back to my childhood and, you know, as a black woman and, and growing up among, in a black family, I had a lot of black friends and black family members. And what I know is that You know, religion is a heavy, heavy part of our upbringing, regardless of whether you are um, a Christian or AME Baptist, which is also Christian. I'm not saying it's not. But no matter what denomination you were raised in, um, having a spiritual upbringing is pretty common, pretty normal. And so um, we would go to church, uh, you know, either every Sunday or every Wednesday. Or if you were like me, we went to church on the Sabbath. So you would go every Saturday. But but every Sunday, and Wednesday, in some cases, people would go to church. It was just a very, very spiritual. And if you mentioned astrology or rituals or stones or anything other than the Bible, you were told that you were operating in witchcraft. And that is something that was very common. I mean, in many homes, you couldn't even play cards, including Uno, because that was considered a sin. Um, Monopoly was gambling and, you know, and so forth. So you fast forward to today and i'm wondering how is it that we have gone from being raised in some highly religious homes i mean i'm considered a millennial i'm a little on the on the older side of it i'll be 38 this year but i think that we my, my, my question was, how did we go from being so spiritual, so in tune with God, to now being um, a heavy, heavy supporter of a political party that is telling me that I can't say Jesus Christ when I finish praying? It's kind of bizarre to me, but it's actually quite interesting if you really think about it, right? So this is—and and, and black community votes about 96 percent of the time. I think it's just dropping a little bit now, but um, I would say on average more than 80 percent of um, the Democratic votes— come From black, I mean, I'm sorry, more than 80% of the black community supports the Democratic Party. So, you know, this is something that was just really interesting. So, if you fast forward to today, right? So, again, let's just pretend that everyone grew up that came from the same background I came from, you know, going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, can't play cards, no Uno, Monopoly's gambling, everything else is witchcraft, right? So, baby boomers and older. I think they still have those same rejections, right? I still think they still are extremely spiritual. I'm I'm assuming they're playing Monopoly now, but I do think that they are still very, very spiritual. But then when you look at millennials, right? So millennials, and so I'm talking, you know, like my age, or let's just say 40 and under, right? 40 and under. There's this whole talk of, you know, that there's no more Jesus, and we're not talking about Jesus as much. But now, instead of saying you're Christian, you're saying I'm spiritual, right? Now, spiritual can be anything from, you know, I, I, I acknowledge that there's God. I acknowledge that there's, you know, that there is a, a spiritual being there. Um, don't know what it is, which is agnostic. It's a lot of people who are agnostic in my generation. Or you're being told, you, you know, you, or, or it can range from or go all the way to where you're now carrying stones and, you know, praying to ancestors. So what happened I mean, what, what, how did this, how did, how did youth or or, or, or young people who was raised in an extremely spiritual home now all of a sudden is in a situation where we are um, saying that we're spiritual, but there's no mention of Jesus and that we're carrying around stones and we're worshiping ancestors and, and African ancestors at that. How did we get here? I have a theory. So I really want you to go with me on this one. I really truly believe in this theory. Okay, so millennials and and, and younger. What we saw was we saw our parents going to church every Sunday. And a lot of times we were believing God for financial change, for our bills to be paid. I think we all can remember, especially in the black church, the song Jesus Will Work It Out. And there was like, you know, baby need a pair of shoes, telephone disconnected, waiting on the next paycheck, all of that. And then we would go home and after watching our parents do this from day in and day out. Not only were they going to church regularly, but they're giving about 40 to 50 years of their lives. Or we'll well, we'll say about 30 to 40 years of their lives to um, corporations. And they never became the billionaire or the millionaire like what we thought. And this is a personal experience, right? I mean, you work so hard. I mean, my dad would get up every morning at 4 a.m. in the morning. uh, Excuse me. We lived in Connecticut. He would get up at 4 a.m. and in the morning and would walk to Yale and would um, go into the library, do some studying. Um, my dad was very, very, very avid study, studying, into studying. Um, and then he'll go to work at the hospital. And and, and, and I, I find that to be interesting. He did that every single morning, and, and he st- he's still a phlebotomist to this day. And so, um, but going to work every single day... In her mind, you thought at some point you become wealthy. So I think that there are young people who watch this and they saw no change. They saw their parents going to church every Sunday. But in their mind, there wasn't a change. And it sent a message. It sent the message that Jesus isn't as big as the government. That Jesus isn't bigger than the government. And in most homes, if you go into a lot of black homes, if you look on the wall, you'll see a picture of Jesus, which is typically a white man, right? So you'll see like the white picture of Jesus, and then you'll see a picture of Martin Luther King right beside it, literally right beside him. So I think baby, I think baby boomers understood the impact of Dr. King and what was accomplished, and that there was a much more a, a gratitude. For it, um, and, and and but but the, their life didn't necessarily change, and I mean they understood the beauty of what took place in during the civil rights movement. They understood it because they lived it, right? They saw the change. They know they remember what it felt like before, and now they're experiencing what it's like to live there now, living in the world now, post the civil rights movement. But what I think it did for for their children or their offspring <laughs> is that in a lot of cases. We saw them shift from the King, Jesus, to now worshiping Dr. King, M O K. And and everyone else that's a part of the of the of the movement. So so I don't I think I think where parents dropped the ball is that we didn't explain or convey that there are real reasons for disparities and that masking it under religion is not the 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 best route to go um it, this message of hold on a change is coming if we just continue to believe in god that we are all of a sudden you know we'll never have to worry about paying bills because we' are gonna have all the money we'll never have to worry about you know not having all the things we need our needs being met i think that was the message that was sent is that you know jesus is the answer and the only answer and he is but there are things that we're supposed to do as well that wasn't talked about You see the real reason for some of these these issues and maybe I can help, you know, assist in some healing towards some young people who are holding on to the damaging effects of, you know, thinking that your life is supposed to change as long as you went to church every single Sunday. Um, But the real reason for some of these disparities is the lack of family stability, um, problematic patterns of behavior. Um, I'm sorry, problematic patterns of bad behavior, like, um, you know, not having a savings account, no investments, not, you know, living above your means rather than living below your means so that you can create a savings account. And then cultural priorities. In a lot of cases, we play sports over academics and we've, uh, you know, encouraged our young people to, you know, be excellent on the field or excellent on the court. But we are okay with teachers assisting our children when it comes to. Their academics. And I notice to be true because if you look at African countries and you look at particularly Nigerians, um, they put an emphasis culturally on academics. And most Nigerians come to America and they succeed. So I know that cultural priorities plays a major factor in whether or not you experience success in life. But is it too late? You know, because at, at this point, I do think it's a little late. At this point, everyone's grown up, they've moved on, and I think we are dealing with the residual effects of not educating people on the real reasons why there are disparities in their homes. But then, now let's, now, now so, so let's go back a little bit to going to college. So now you have these young people who grow up and they move and they go into college. Um, and then what happens in college? Typically, This is where you find your identity. Um, This was especially attractive to black people being at college because we lacked um, understanding of our identity, our bloodline. And to us, it just stopped in Africa. We had no clue about a lot of stuff. So we had no idea where our ancestry started outside of a geographic location. And so you take that in consideration and you go to college and then you start doing research and, you know, you so you know nothing about yourself culturally. And being an American apparently isn't good enough because, you know, you, you, you look around and you're being told um, within your own community that this is somehow not your home to a certain degree. Like our home is Africa. Even though I've never lived in Africa, never visited, I plan to, but America is not ne- technically your home. That's the message that we were brought here, right? Um, so you know then you so while you're in college you find people like Malcolm X and Booker T. Washington Stokey Carmichael and a whole lot of host of other people who really did do a good work in the time that they were working because that was necessary at that time and it sparked this idea that we were to take principles of our forefathers and we did nothing with it right so we, we, we study we find, study all these people and we, we really did you know latch on to their principles and then you feel like you found yourself you feel like you have understanding now right you have different perspectives while you're in college and you find yourself at a fork in the road and I personally believe that this fork in the road gives you two options you can either take all this information along with how you were raised and move into the direction of being a victim or you can see yourself as a victor. Personally, when I read Booker T. Washington's book, Up From Slavery, it made me feel like an overcomer. I felt like, man, this is awesome. This is someone who was born into slavery, experienced emancipation, struggled and worked his way through during a time where racism was very much so alive. It was nothing like what we're seeing today, which people think is racism, but really um, it's a lot of assumptions going on. But, I here, or there for this conversation, I guess. But, uh, you know, you, you, I, I, you find yourself moving forward with that. So at this fork in the road, it's either you're going to become a victim or you are a victor. And I felt like Booker T. Washington showed me that I was a victor that I can overcome that I can do everything. It made me look at my ancestors as people who were not held back by anything. And it encouraged me to make sure that I don't hold myself back, even if that means holding on to an ideology or a thought that somehow there were challenges that, you know, may have impacted my upbringing or may have caused us to not be able to experience a certain level of financial success. Now, if you are, if you take the victim route, you then find yourself in a situation where you are looking at these these individuals as a reason for why or what they went through, what they did, what our people have gone through. Instead of seeing them as individuals, you're seeing them as a collective, and this is they represent our people, and that what our people have gone through is the whole you know the whole reason why you can work super super hard and not achieve. Okay. Fast forward to today. If you fast forward to today, um, and I show, if I was to show someone um, an image of MLK, John Lewis, Stokey Carmichael, Black Panthers, etc., and if the response was negative, if they were seen in a negative light, it's like blasphemy. It's like denouncing Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which is why I believe that we are we have we have turned the civil rights movement into a. a a new religion and have replaced Jesus with that religion altogether with the religion of the civil rights altogether, because it is blasphemy. God forbid we bring up anything about their past. God forbid we show any side that humanizes these individuals and we will find ourselves in a situation where we are now denouncing. Like I said, we're, we're in, we're in, in, in blasphemy and denouncing the civil rights movement, which is equal to denouncing Jesus. And if you agree with their ideology in any way, it's as if you've rejected the Bible as a whole, which is a whole other conversation. Um, You know, we, we use the words of Dr. King as scripture. We no longer, you know, are reading the Bible. We're now reading books that are from the civil rights movement, and that has now become our Bible. So. Now that we understand this and why this is why I believe that we have turned the civil rights into our new religion, because we can allow um, the party to tell us that we can't sit, pray in Jesus name anymore, because that's offensive to someone else who doesn't believe the way you believe. But at the same time, if I was to say, well, you know what, I'm not going to support an individual. Like, for for instance, when when Congressman John Lewis was in office, um, God rest his soul, when. When he um, when I said I didn't want to didn't support him or his initiatives, it was as if I was I was just blaspheming. I mean, it was completely out of line and I can how dare I say anything negative about the ancestors of my past. And and, 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 and you wonder why I feel like you're turning the civil rights moving into a entirely new religion. So but, but why does this work? You know, why, why are we here? What and, and, and not only why is this working, but we how do we find a solution to this? Right. And I believe that the reason why this concept has worked for so long is because instead of us looking for a solution as to why. Our our parents may have um, endured financial struggle and, and challenges growing up. At the even though they're deeply deeply spiritual and religious and, and 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 love God, instead of asking ourselves why is this not what was the solution why didn't it work we have settled for an explanation we've settled for what we think could possibly be an explanation as to why this is and, and I think that's where we run into major problems. The civil rights industry as a whole is turned what I call an industry. And I explain that I call it an industry because at this point, I'm not seeing why we need so many organizations that is primarily 100 percent focused on just the um, the black community. I'm not understanding that. I think we have done enough. We have shown that we are just as much a part of this community as anyone else and if if other cultures like Nigerians and other African cultures can come into America and succeed I don't understand why black Americans are having issues with this I don't understand why we have to have our own segment of whatever we want to call it in order to thrive when we're also telling each other that we're kings and queens and that we're um, we are we are the superior race. These are things that are being said in our community, yet we need to have our own individual little pockets of groups to make sure and ensure that we obtain and that we achieve and that we have certain successes. That part is confusing to me. And I believe that, and I believe that those who are still operating under this whole um, civil rights mentality of I have to do these things for Black people are doing it because it's profitable at this point. It's extremely profitable, right? I mean, I always ask young people, you know, if if Al Sharpton did not, if we didn't have racism, what would be his job? What would he do? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you could tell me. So I think. When we try to explain why our parents um, can work so hard and never have seen like a return on their investment, I think that's where we we have we've used utilized this 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 the civil rights movement as an explanation as to why they're not seeing a return on their investment, so to speak. It has to be because there's some type of obstacles in their way that's being they're being held at, and the only thing I can equate it to is because of the color of their skin, the the melanin in their skin is holding them back from all levels of success, and it's not just now, now, and it's, it's only melanin in Black Americans because, like I said, you bring over other cultures and you see them thriving. Okay, so that was to me the rise of Black worship. And now here we are. We have black love. We got black girl magic. We got black this, black that, black excellence, black all these things, right? We always got to put our race ahead of everything. We can't just be excellent. We can't just be in love. We can't just be strong women that are actually achieving. We have to be black strong women, right? We have to be black people in love. And why is that? I think that's an insecurity. Because what it does is it says that as long as I can create my own little pocket over here and succeed in this space, then I don't have the responsibility of having to succeed with everyone else. I don't have the responsibility of having to be excellent with everyone else. As long as I have black excellence, I don't have to be excellent altogether because being excellent altogether would mean that I would have to go back and address those areas, those disparities that we talked about. And who wants to do that? Because now that puts personal responsibility on us to have to work for work, work hard to eliminate excuses and to make sure that we are pushing forward. So I think that what really happened was I think black people found their identity in the stories of the past and that those of the past are no longer heroes who have answered the call of purpose, which is how I see them. Right. I think Booker T Washington and, and Frederick Douglass, I I think that they were heroes in the right because they decided to answer the call of their purpose, which is what we all should be doing on an individual basis. It doesn't stop because we're no longer fighting those same fights. We all still have our individual purposes that we need to accomplish. So, now they, are, they, they have become sacred to the community, which creates this bar that is impossible to reach. So now we have people who are running behind this the, the, the image of the superheroes of our of our community, which happens to be our civil rights leaders, and that we have created this sacred community of them, and now we have people who are trying to reach their level of of, 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 of acceptance of approval of achievement, so to speak. But it's hard to do that when we don't have the same issues. We don't have the same problems. We we are operating in a whole different space. What I would encourage you to do is to find your purpose and be a superhero in your own right because you're fulfilling your purpose. But as I close, I want to. Why am I talking about this? Because I'm high, I'm highlighting this because I see the community, my community, the black community, as people who are stuck in the past. I really think that we are stuck in our past. Because we haven't raised up individuals that have done amazing things in the present to allow them to now be who we look to when it comes to achieving and succeeding. I thought when President Obama became president that that, that, that would now cause us to be in a space where we can now no longer say that black people can't achieve. I mean, we be we, a black man held the highest office known to man. So... I think at this point, we've achieved a lot as a community. But for some reason, that didn't work either. I feel like we became even more divided when that happened. You know, there are people who think supporting the community means finding external sources rather than looking within. You know, it's my desire that we focus on the attributes that allow us to overcome. Instead of us looking at the past and talking about how and how unjust it was and how bad it was. And we are, you know, harp all these emotions around, you know, um, um, the white community, because it's just, it, you know, it, it, the, the only slave owners we ever see are white people, although there were black slave owners with that. Again, it's another conversation for another time. But for some reason, we want to stay there. So instead of focusing on that, what I want to focus on is what it took For Booker T. Washington to go from standing on on that piece of land as a slave to building one of the greatest HBCUs, Tuskegee University, and being responsible for that, for educating himself and teaching himself how to be so great. How about we focus on the level of persistence that that it took? How about we focus on determination? How about we focus on innovation and emotional intelligence and just all of those under all of those other wonderful attributes that allows you to succeed and be great in this world, no matter what the color of your skin is. Rather focusing on the struggle or who we are fight or or who we were fighting. How about we look at it? from a perspective of achieving moving forward and like i said being the, the the attributes that it that has caused this upward mobility to take place history is extremely important it is necessary you have to understand history so that you can avoid repeating it so i absolutely believe in history this is why i'm a, i'm strong i strongly support keeping statues up i need people to see i need people to know we we need history but i look to the past for inspiration And I look at people like Thomas Sowell, who was an amazing, amazing economist who does not get his flowers. He does not get the attention that he needs. He has he has broke down so many myths and dispelled so much through pure facts. He was a previous Marxist who was no longer that because in his own words, because he found facts. I, I like people like Thomas Sowell who provides insight into economic disparities around the world, who gives me the solution and not an explanation of could, what could possibly be. I want, I want us as a community to do some self-reflection. I want us to be more than the color of our skin. I want us to go deeper than our skin. I want us to focus on purpose and allow the world to honor that and not our skin color. I want us to look to the past. But let's get out of the past. Let's just look to it. Let's get past our past. Always acknowledging it, always respecting it, always looking forward to, to to looking forward and always understanding what was done and always being so gracious and appreciative of those who fulfilled their purpose in order to ensure that our today is not like our past. And yes, I said it. It's time. That we need to move and we need to remember, never forget, but we have to keep moving. Let's not live in our past. Let's create modern day heroes, which are just people who are answering the call of purpose, people who are starting businesses, opening schools, clear, cleaning up their communities, inspiring others without forcing them and forcing their support. You know, let us really find our place in the world apart from our pain. And let's place civil rights in its proper place and not as our religion. As I always say, disagreement is democracy. So if you disagree with me, great. Let's talk about it. I just talked to you about it. Now I'm encouraging you to go out and you go talk about it. Thank you so much for joining this show. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. Till next time, have a great day.
0: You've been listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Listen each week at thepodcastpark.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team, build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. First GA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.